Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. So good to see you all. I'm glad you're here and want to say greetings to all of uh, all of the folks who are uh, joining us on Facebook Live at this hour, and even a few brave people on the patio uh, out there. So it's great to be together, and um, uh, great to see you all obeying the SOS. Scoot over some as people come in and make room. You know, we're God's blessing our church family, and we're growing, and so we're working hard to move to providing a third Sunday service uh, to uh, make room, a little more room in the two morning services. We'll I'll be letting you know more about that. And I'll be asking some of you to pray about moving to that third service so that uh, newcomers who may more naturally come to this one would uh, have room. And you say, well, if I'm praying about this, how do I know that the Lord's leading me to do it? It's probably because I'm going to ask you. How's that? Um, but no, that's, uh, that's just a little spirit-filled blatant manipulation on the part of your pastor. <laughs> So, but that's coming, and we're we're thankful and excited about it. We are in our, uh, as Pastor Chad Crouch mentioned earlier, we are in our third of five uh, services and messages on the important uh, topic of how to come back to God. When we as, and again, there are a lot of people in the room with different spiritual uh, circumstances, but, but we're aiming most of the guns at this service on those of us who are already followers of Jesus. We've already asked Jesus into our heart, already committed our life and eternity to Him sometime in the past, and yet we find our, that we have moved away, or we have drifted away, or we have backslidden, uh, or if we're more honest with ourselves, we have rebelled and disobeyed our Lord, and so we're out of fellowship with Him. And we realize it and want to do something about it. What do we do? How do we come back to uh, God? And we are... Um, we're taking our cue, getting our instructions uh, from the scriptures uh, found uh, in, that are related to the life of the ancient Israeli king David, who in Second Samuel chapter eleven we find uh, suddenly after this, after being close to God, departed. And he did so by abusing his power, neglected his responsibilities as king. He abused his power as king and exerted it over a helpless uh, woman who he brought to the palace, seduced, committed adultery with another man's wife, then had her husband murdered on the battlefield according to his instructions, then uh, lied to the nation, tried to lie to himself and God. We try to suppress the truth. Romans chapter 1 says, uh, even to our, ourselves. And then after a year, a, um, a prophet of God, God sent by His Spirit to confront the king, went at risk of his own life. I mean, he's walking into the, the guy who held ultimate authority in the kingdom and uh, who certainly had already murdered someone else and abused that power and responsibility. And yet Nathan the prophet said, you have moved away from God. You have sinned. You need to repent. And David did. He did. And so what we find in the 51st Psalm is, is King David's prayer of repentance, his prayer journey back to a whole and healthy relationship 
with God as a child of God. And we learn from him the same way you can come back and I can come back. Because if King David could come back and God would take him, he'll take you. He will take you. Some of you say, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. Don't care. I don't believe anybody in this room has outdone David. And uh, you can come back to God. That's the good news. And so we, uh, in, in the first two sessions, we have learned, um, I've given you some little axioms, kind of little pithy sayings to help remember the steps. In verses 1 and 2, we learned that if you want to come back to God, we must heed our need to plead and plead for God's undeserved mercy, grace, and compassion. Based on His mercy and grace, we plead for His forgiveness and His cleansing, knowing that we don't deserve it, that we have no claim on God. He doesn't owe us anything. Uh, Last week, we learned that if you want back in, you must confess your sin. And uh, and so uh, today we're going to move to the third step in David's prayer that we can... um, learn from, and it's found in verses 7 through 10 in the 51st Psalm. Let me read it. This is God's Word. Purify me with hyssop. Now, we'll come back and explain what that is in a moment. Purify me with hyssop, David prayed, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a a steadfast spirit or a right spirit within me. This is God's Word. This is God's Word. So you say, well, Pastor, what's our little saying for this week? Well, I had to work, you know, I'm not very smart. I had to work hard on this one, but, but, but here it is. Here it is. If you want a new start, pray for a renovation of heart. So you can jot that down, and here we go, and let me explain that. You can come back to God by requesting a renovation of your heart. A renovation of your heart by God. That's what David prayed. He desired to come back to God, and he begged God to purify, to heal, to transform, and sustain his heart. His inner man. And so you might say, well, pastor, that sounds good. What does that actually mean and how do I do that? That's always a good question. You might, when I come to some instructions or insights in my Bible, in the margin, I always pencil in uh, three letters and a question mark. Uh, uh, Y-B-H, yes, but how? And so, yes, but how? The rest of this is yes, but how? So here we go. And so if you want a renovation of heart, first of all, jot this down. It comes by asking God to make you clean. It, asking, it, ask, it comes by uh, asking for Him to clean up your heart. That's what David prayed in verse 7. Look at it again. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. So, well, there's that hyssop word. What is that, Pastor? Well, hyssop uh, was an aromatic uh, shrub that grew with long stems and leaves descending to the tip with a little decreasing in size uh, to the end of the stalk where there was a little small flower. And it grew commonly across Palestine in the cracks of walls and all around the, uh, the villages. Now, it's mentioned several places 
in, in the Bible. I want to mention two of those uh, to you. Uh, one, the first one of these I want to mention is uh, Leviticus chapter 14. Uh, it is, it re, it, it's referred to there in that it's u- it was used in a, in a ritual cleansing uh, symbolic ceremony in the Jewish faith for when uh, God was cleansing someone who had leprosy healing them from leprosy. And it's also referred to in Numbers, the book of Numbers chapter 19, also as it is used in a ritual symbolic um, celebration or, or, or uh, ceremony for when uh, someone was uh, being cleansed from having um, touched a dead and decaying body, whether that be a human body or or that of an animal. And so Think of it this way. Uh, when someone had leprosy or has leprosy, but one of the one of the tough things about leprosy and that skin disorder and that neurological disorder where literally people begin losing parts of their body, it creates a, a foul odor. Think about that. And, and hold on to that thought. Well, uh, here's another. Then the other day, I, my granddaughter Allie and I were taking a fun ride on our golf cart around Peachtree City. And we, we came around a corner near a road in, on, along the green belt. And we were downwind from a dead and decaying deer. Yeah, boy, it was just great right after Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and so, you know, just... Mm. And, uh, and she... <clears throat> shook her face and looked up at me and she said, she calls me dad, daddy. She said, dad, daddy, what is, what is that? And I said, well, there's a deer. Most likely it got hit in the road and it's just made it off the path. And if you can look, there it is. And she, and I said, its body is decomposing. She wanted to learn that word decomposing school, school teacher decomposing. I said, and when a body decomposes, it stinks. She said, let's leave. <laughs> let's go. And uh, so it was rough. So what David is saying here, what David is saying here is, Lord, my life stinks. He said, I have become, he, he, he was saying, uh, just as someone who has contracted leprosy, I have contracted leprosy of the soul. Just as a dead body decomposes, uh, my life is falling apart and rotten because of what, not only what I've done, but what I have become, who I am, what's wrong with me. My life stinks. I need you to clean me up. Do you need that? Does your life stink? Well, there's good news. And so he called out to God. He said, I need a radical renovation of my heart. And, and then he, he's prayed, wash me and I will be whiter than snow in that same verse. Now, in, in that day and in that culture, when people were repenting of their sin before God, they wore, a, they wore dark clothing, uh, clothing, which was called sackcloth. Uh, and they even put ashes on themselves, sackcloth and ashes. 
and uh, they didn't wash their face or comb their hair. It was an outward expression of inward uh, repentance. And so no doubt David was, had probably been wearing sackcloth and ashes and going without his hair combed. And he's saying, God, if, but if you would wash me, I would no longer be in this dark ashen clothing. You could make me, and inside, you could make me whiter than snow, whiter than snow. You see, God never does it halfway. David didn't pray, Lord, if you could kind of just turn this dark into some kind of, kind of a nice, uh, tan, that would be, you know, that would be nice. That would be better. No, no, no. Whiter than snow. Some of you, because of where you've been and what you've done, you're ashamed. You've got guilt, real guilt, not imagined guilt. You've got it. Uh, you did it. And uh, you say, I just don't know, pastor, if God could forgive me. Well, what you're really saying is you don't know if you can forgive you. You, you think, God, you know, maybe he'd just kind of take me back, but I'm going to be, I think I'm really damaged goods with God from now on. Mm-mm. No. No. Not just snow. Whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. God will not do this only halfway. Uh, and so rejoice in that. He'll clean you completely up and take you completely back. So request a renovation of your heart. Ask God to cleanse your heart and get the stink out of your life, out of your heart and life. And then act as if that were really true. So what do you mean by that? Well, you know, living by faith is simply living as if what the Bible says about you and God is actually true. I mean, if this, if this was true and God could take you from dark, stained, stinking, leprous, decomposing soul and life and totally restore you to a relationship with Him and wash you whiter than snow, if that was really true, how would you think? What, what, would, what would you feel like? How would you behave? Probably better. So act, act as if it's really true because it is. He said it is. And if you, uh, and you also, if you want a renovation of heart, you also ask God for, jot this down, healing. Ask God for healing. Look at verse 8. David prayed, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Now, the first casualty of sin to those of us who are believers already, to those of us who are children of God through faith in Jesus, the first casualty is our joy, is our inner joy and gladness. Joy, and I'm not talking about giddy happiness that is completely circumstantial. I'm talking about that deep inner sense of well-being that Christ gives us, no matter our circumstances, whether they're, they're good or, or, or bad. And uh, it's, it's the first thing we lose when we move away from Jesus, when we drift away from Jesus, when we openly rebel and walk away from our Lord. We lose our sense of joy. And when we sin and choose to go away from Him, the joy that we feel personally is removed from us. So let's come back. David wanted to hear something from God. He said, let me hear joy and gladness. He wanted to hear the word forgiven. That's a good word, forgiven. And when we hear that, we hear joy. That we're genuinely forgiven, we hear joy. That's the hope and desire of every disobedient Christian. 
that comes back to Jesus. I want to hear forgiven and restore joy and gladness in my relationship with you, Lord, in the inner person. And, and do all this, look at verse 8, the last part, so that the bones you have crushed rejoice. What in the world does that mean, Pastor? Well, I don't think that he's speaking literally. David's bones were not broken and crushed. Uh, this was a, in, in, in ancient um, Hebrew psychology, the phrase, the bones of a person, uh, referred to, was almost the same as saying the inner, their inner person themselves. It was their inner being, their inner uh, person. Over and over, for example, in the book of Job and in the, the Psalms, uh, they speak of, of their, their, quote, bones being healthy or their bones uh, being in pain. Now, what they meant was, what David meant here was, uh, the, inner, at the innermost part of my life, I hurt. My life not only stinks, I'm in pain. I'm in pain in here. I'm hurting in here. Now, we say that, don't we? We, we, we usually refer to the seat of the emotions, uh, but we say, I'm, I'm, my heart hurts. We don't mean we're having a heart attack. We mean, ugh, my life stinks and it hurts most likely because stuff I've done. My life is hard. He said, I hurt. David was a broken man, and he was pleading for the joy of the Lord and the gladness of the Lord in a good relationship to him to come back and restore that gladness in his inner being. And so he asked him for it. So if you need joy to return to your life, good thing to do, start praying for it. Ask him for it. And third thing, jot this down, a renovation of the heart also comes by asking God to hide his face from our sin. Hide his face from our sin. Look at verse 9. David prayed, turn your face away from my sins and blot out my guilt. Now, if you put it in reverse and back up to verse 3, back up to verse 3, you'll see there that David had already confessed to God that his sin, he said, my sin is ever before me. It's on my mind. It's in my heart. It's in view. I keep it in view in the nighttime, in the daytime, no matter what I'm doing, my sin is ever before me. Here we find in verse 9 that he had a greater fear than that. He feared that his sin was ever before God. That his sin was ever before God. I mean, we, that's the bigger concern. Not that it's before your mama or your grandmother or your parents or your friends or your neighbors it's the, or even yourself. It's that it's before God. I worked uh, with some buddies at a machine shop when I was in college and was walking with the Lord. And some of them were and some of them weren't and were not. But we were all great friends and still are. And I remember one day one of the guys uh, hurt himself at the drill press and he cursed real, real loud. And he turned around and saw me over at the other machine over there. And he said, oh, I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed that I did that in front of you. And I said, me, I'm just, I'm nobody. Why? There's a bigger one. <laughs> your, your sin is not before me. I'm not offended. It is before God. David was worried about that. He was worried about that, and so he prayed, Lord, uh, uh, hide your face from your my sin. Turn your face away from my sin and blot out all my guilt. The good news is God has the, pass, the capacity to turn his head, 
to turn his head away from our sin so that he no longer sees them and chooses to no longer remember our sin. You say, what does this mean? It means that if we come back to God, uh, to the Lord Jesus, who we believe is the God of the Bible, we come back to Jesus in the manner and the attitude of Psalm 51 that we could ask God, or he could be asked about our previous rebellion, transgression, sin against him, and he'd say, what transgression? What sins? What iniquity? You say, wait a minute, Pastor, I thought, you, I thought the Bible said that God can do anything. He can do anything. He doesn't say that he can't remember our sin. In the Psalms, he says, I will remove your sins as far away uh, from, as you from the east, from the west, and I will remember your sin no more. It's a matter of choice for God. I'm going to choose to act like I can never remember your sin anymore. Okay. Now, you remember, you remember them, don't you? But see, it's more important that God doesn't. He said, all that? He said, no, no. He's going to treat you as if they were never there. Now, how would you respond to a God like that? I mean, how would you? Huh? I mean, whoa, whoa, thank you. Thank you, God. I mean, thank you, God. I mean, I mean, who wouldn't want a God like that? Guess what? He's the one you can have. I think Jesus is the God you've been looking for your whole life. Who wouldn't want a God just like that? Gracious, forgiving, turning his face away from our sins, fully embracing us again in relationship with him, renovating our hearts. So request a renovation of your heart. If you want uh, a new start, request a renovation of your heart. And, and, And how would you behave if this was really true? You'd quit moping around, wouldn't you? I mean, you know, God's, he, if he's not going to remember them, why in the world are you dragging it up and pun it, keeping on punishing yourself, nailing yourself to the cross? Quit nailing yourself to the cross. Jesus has already done that. He's already done that. I mean, what, the way you respond, how would I act? I would respond with great love and gra- even greater love and gratitude to my Lord Jesus. Get up every day excited to be with him, excited to serve him, praising him, thanking him. And um, how would you behave? Well, that's not all. A renovation of the heart also includes asking God to give you the power of his Holy Spirit. The power of his Holy Spirit. Because it is not enough just to be cleansed from our past. It's not enough just to be purged from spiritual leprosy. It's not enough just to have the decomposing inner being of ourselves given new life. David understood this. He understood, I can't trust myself any longer. I can't trust my heart any longer. And neither can you, and neither can I. So David prays this instead. He doesn't pray what our culture says. He doesn't pray, look within yourself, truth is in your heart, just follow your heart. How many of you heard that? How many times did you hear it this weekend on some television show or some new hit song? Oh, just follow your heart and you'll be great. No, you won't. You'll stink. (laughs) No, you won't. You'll start decomposing. Whatever you do, don't follow your heart. Whatever you do, that's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is don't follow your heart, get a new one. 
Get a new one. Get a new clean one that works right. And we can't do that on our own. We need God to do that for you and me. David understood now that he could not trust himself. And so he prays, look at verse 10. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. When we come back to God, we do ask for cleansing, but we also ask that God would do something radical inside us, to us, to change us. Or we'll just simply move away from Him again. We'll simply move away from Him uh, again. We must have clean hearts that work right. We must have clean hearts that work right. We must have clean hearts that work right. And He is the one who can do that for us and will do that for us. David prayed that God would clean his heart and renew his heart and sustain his inner man by God's Holy Spirit. I mean, what needs to be changed is our heart, our will, our spirit. Now, let's talk about that word heart again there in verse 10. Again, let's go back to ancient Hebrew psychology. This word in ancient Hebrew psychology referred to the will, to to uh, uh, our spirit. And um, when we think of heart, we think of the seat of our emotions. But the ancient Hebrews thought of it as the, the, cent, the person center of the, the town hall meeting of an individual where, uh, where decisions are pondered and where actions are initiated and where we create and set things in motion, choices are made. And so David prayed, Lord, you create in me. Now, circle that word create in verse 10. Circle it in your Bible. Circle in your Bible. It is the very same Hebrew verb that we find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Very first verse in the entire Bible. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think I got this right. But I think this particular verb is only used in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures. It is only used for the activity of God Almighty. Only ever used for the activity of God Almighty. So what David was praying here was, God, I need for you to do something that only you can do. I can't do it. No one else can do it for me. I need you to create, just like you created the heavens and the earth. I need you to create in me a clean heart. And so that's what we do. We pray, Lord, I'm admitting I need you to do spiritual heart surgery on me. And do in me what I, 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 no one can, else can do for me. Give me a new heart and, um, and he will do it. Now, sometimes you say, well, pastor, I know me. I just can't keep it up. I'll just go back to the same old thing. Maybe you, some people say to me, well, my, my, my parents or my pastor or my, this person said, oh, well, the God said, you just got to do better. You just got to do better. You just got to work hard and do better. Well, this psalm teaches us you can't do better. I can't do better. But Jesus can. Jesus can. He can and will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Renovate our hearts by His amazing grace and the power of His indwelling Holy Spirit as we yield to Him moment by moment, day by day. Now, our hearts, the culture in which you live, matter of fact, Every culture, in every community, on every part of the planet, in all across the history of mankind, the culture, largely without you knowing it, and certainly 
without your permission is exerting a heart-forming process on you to shape it in ways that are anti-Jesus. The cult, it, it imposes upon you an identity-forming process, a heart-forming process that leaves us to ourselves with ruined hearts, dead hearts, deceitfully wicked hearts that do not work right. This is why don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. But the Scriptures tell us here, Willpower is not, in, is not adequate for this, but we can learn to enter into the kingdom of heaven on earth through faith in Jesus, to live under His care and supervision on a day-by-day basis. We can follow Him in such a way as to be spiritually transformed and receive renovated hearts, new hearts that work right. And by His grace and by the filling of His Holy Spirit, this is done. The way that we have a renewed spirit, a right spirit, a right heart, is to daily deny ourselves, yield ourselves, and ask by faith for the filling, for the empowering, for the controlling, for the possession of and the guidance of God the Holy Spirit in our lives. Spirit, that's Spirit-filled living. For Him to empower us. Now, there's, we're going to do more on that next week, so come back. Don't have time for it now. More on that next week. But just know this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 is going to be on the screen. Tells us this. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to His good purpose. Or another way to say it is this. He is working in you by His Spirit in both to desire and to do what pleases Him. Or both to motivate you and enable you to know, be, and do what He wants you to know, be, and do, and please Him. To live in such a way that people live who have new, renewed, renovated hearts by God. So, request a renovation. Now, I'm going to give you some time to do that. We're going to take about five minutes, and uh, we're going to uh, have prayer time. You just pray back through this, Lord. Matter of fact, you may want to open your Bibles there to the whole 51st Psalm and walk back through the whole first 10 verses in prayer. Again, Andrew's coming up. I've asked last week he played uh, sins, uh, music to confess your sins by. Today he's going to play music to renovate your hearts by. He's been working on a new composition. It's the same thing. Okay. Well, you know what? I liked it. It worked last week, so let's do it again. Okay. Let's do it again. Now, before we do that, let me speak to those of you in the room who are not yet followers of Jesus. You've never come to follow Jesus. And you might be saying, well, Pastor, I want, to, I want this kind of relationship with Christ. How, how do I begin one? Well, you do at least two things. First of all, you repent of your sins. That means you change your mind about your sinfulness uh, and your sin, and you turn from it, you grieve it, you mourn it. You change your mind about Jesus being God rather than you, and you turn from your self-centered, self-directed life, and you turn to Jesus and trust Him to live a Christ-directed life. So we repent of our sin. 
It also means that we believe in Jesus. That means we put our active trust in Jesus and what He accomplished when He died on the cross for your sin, because of your sin, in your place, atoning for your sin, completely satisfying His very own demands of justice so that you don't have to do that. And then He rose from the dead proving that He could do such thing. We place our active trust in Jesus by saying, Lord, not only do I believe that, but I need you and I need you to do that in me. And I'm asking you to apply that to me personally. To the best of my understanding, I am giving control of my life in eternity to you. I'm giving up control, giving up control of, the, of the direction and the pace of my life in eternity into your hands. And we follow him. So I'd encourage you to do that now in this prayer time. So let's move into the time of prayer. It's going to take about five minutes. Ask for a renovation of heart or ask to be given a new heart to begin with through faith in Jesus. And then I'll close our prayer time in a few minutes. So Lord, thank you for hearing these prayers. Thank you that uh, you made a way for us. Thank you that you paid the full price so that we could be redeemed and that we could receive new hearts and new lives. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.